Hello, hello, welcome to this, the latest edition of the weekly watch list. So now a monthly podcast brought to you by the good people at MGA and 121 Media. My name is Sean Peterbudge. I'm joined by Will Peters. Will. Good to be back. It's good to be back. It is, we've had several delays. We had uh, yeah. lockdown. Lockdown. We were going to record late last week, but we had no power for four days. Yes, the, uh, you know, climate change or weather or whatever it may be. It was suboptimal. Yes. The power went out uh, three and a half days, basically. It's pretty stiff. What did you do? No, with uh, no uh, I slept fully clothed because <laughs> it was so cold. <laughs> um, and then at about uh, yesterday, at about like three thirty in the morning, all the lights came on. You're like, oh. no, it wasn't. Fortunately, uh, some of the lights would have come on because uh, obviously, just as an impulse, yeah, yeah, you yeah. walk past and you flick a light, and you go, oh, yeah, we've got no power. Uh, no, no, I I popped up like a fully clothed <laughs> meerkat. <laughs> In bed because the um, the little red light on the TV. <laughs> just really, I can this, sense it. It's this really subtle. <laughs> and I, and I went from being like fully asleep, Rip Van Winkle, yeah. to oh my god, I can consume anything I and everything I want now. <laughs> and I've, I've looked up and I'm running see, down the stairs, mom, mom. I, I can see the little red light, and I've gone, oh my god, the power's back. Oh my god! So I, I turned on the heater. Excellent. Um, yeah, look, it was basically the sun goes down mm. and you dread it Oh, because the candles come out, the sun goes down, you can't do anything. I, I went to bed at like eight o'clock. <laughs> I, was, I was playing golf yesterday and played, started at like 2.30, 3 o'clock. It was brilliant. Nice sun's out. Relatively clear day, Melbourne winter day. Um, and as soon as the sun went behind the trees, everyone was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a chill up the yeah, spine. Yeah. Nah, yeah, it wasn't great. And then, obviously, we, Thursday night, Friday night, uh, the radio had to come out. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. Sitting around listening to the radio in the dark. Yeah. Like the old days. It was terrible. Yeah. It was really bad. And even little things, like you can't have any food because, like, the only people that listen to radio still are Red Hot Chili Pepper fans. That's exactly right. <laughs> the, the chilies. <laughs> Where do you sit on the chilies killers debate? Um, I'd put the killers slightly above the chilies. I just don't think the chilies have that many good songs. <laughs> like, I'm, part of me was winding Fab up. I yeah, actually yeah. said it on the podcast. No, you did. I, yes, I did. Part of it was to wind a needle here. Yeah, yeah. Because we wanted him fired up for the review. Because sometimes instead of going, "Yep, <coughs> oh, uh-huh. Jesus, don't yep. even get me started." <laughs> this is the guy that goes, "You talk too long." When I throw to him, he goes, "Uh huh." Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, Fab. I am in agreement. <laughs> but part of me was absolutely twisting the knife because sometimes Fabaganoush, you know, it takes a bit to, to heat him up. Yeah, and he he needs ten or fifteen to get going. <laughs> so I thought I'd just light the fire under him from the get go. <laughs> The amount of crap that came back. And I said to those two idiots, I said, yeah, the Chili's will win a poll because it's a bunch of fossils like you two who want to go back to high school <laughs> and reminisce about the Chili's. And go, yeah. of course they will. And they did. Yes. Go, I'm not surprised by it. Mm. Um, it did, this isn't one of my picks. <clears throat> it did lead me to um, trying to find, I was trying to find a particular killer's clip to sort of illustrate where they are as a band in the pantheon of modern bands. Uh-huh. And it was from Glastonbury in 2017. They played the Peel stage. It was effectively, it was like a secret gig. It was kind of like a, there were whispers that the secret performer might be the killers, but it wasn't, no one knew for sure. And it was a pretty well-kept secret. Anyway, they played the Peel stage, which is in this tent at Glastonbury. 
52 odd minute set and basically there's there's parts of that performance probably 80 percent of that performance is still on youtube but the whole show is not and you can't find like mr brightside yeah was for whatever reasons taken out of it and there's <clears throat> another song of coming with uh, no, i don't think it's when you were young but there's a couple of biggish songs taken out of it. Anyway, yeah. I was able to find, I went on the Killers Reddit page and I was like, does anyone have it? Does anyone have the Glastonbury 2017 Peel stage? And this guy, like two or three days later, got back to me and he sent me a private message. He goes, yeah, I've got it if you want it. And he Google-drived it to me. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I remember watching it because the BBC do an amazing job like broadcasting yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. capturing Glastonbury. But I remember watching the, the clips and the performance and it was on like BBC iPlayer and then it was on YouTube for a little bit and then it's been taken down yeah. for whatever copyright reason. I remember watching it in 2017 and you know when you watch something like a big event, a sporting event, a concert or whatever, and generally even if you're watching it and thinking, this is amazing, you can kind of disassociate yourself and go, yeah, mm. this is good, yeah, good. And then it ends and you kind of walk away. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Watching it in 17 and then watching it yesterday again for the first time in four years, I had the exact same feeling of that, I wish I was there. Yeah. Did you ever see that clip of, um, as a little kid in a Tiago Silver top, the PSG top? Yeah. And he rapped the Tiago Silver song with Dave? Yep. That was unreal. So, as, as, as a Dave fan and a hip hop, and a, like a UK hip hop fan, I would have had that same feeling just sitting there going, this is the dream of so many people. Wish, wish, and even not even. Could have been any kid. This kid's come out and spat the whole thing. And not even to be that guy, but like to be there. Yeah. What a great thing it would have been to experience. So they played this show, and as I said, I was I was trying to, at the height of the Chili's v. Killers debate, I was trying <laughs> to find that clip of them doing Brightside to a crowd that didn't know they were going to be there. Yeah. And I'll show you after the show. The, f the reaction it gets is just unbelievable. Yeah. And you sit there going, nobody can say with a straight face that isn't the song of the 21st century. I'm not saying it's the best song, you play that in any part of the world at any time of the day to any audience and people know it. You play mm. into a crowd, once again, they'll know it. And people just go ballistic for it. So um, that was a fun debate. That was a fun discussion. I did enjoy it. Mm. It was good. It uh, provided a bit <laughs> of... Um, some <laughs> some provided some entertainment. <laughs> some guy listened and said like... Huh, tuned in to listen to it and have to be told my favourite band's shit never, <laughs> never listening again and I was like in fairness only one of us was saying that <laughs> they aren't any good I go the chilly love was running at 66% yes that's whilst I it, it provided some entertainment while I was whilst I was again sucking off the teeth of the government um, yeah well and getting my uh, payment for being stood down for the fourth time in, in 18 months it's a tough um, gig it's grim yeah, so it's, it's a grim gig again come back to work and let me kill myself because I realised how much after I've realised after every lockdown I come back from it going I hate retail it's not good I'd only just gotten back into the like yeah this, this is my job I'll do this until the end of the year till I finish my degree but I'm like oh god <laughs> it's the bane of my existence I hate it it's just people it is just I just people. want to deal with less people less shit people that's why Australia Post isn't that bad because <laughs> you, once you leave the facility you pretty much deal with no one mm. just on your own time uh we're going to go into the news uh first and foremost there's been a little mm. bit of news since we last recorded yeah, uh, it's been a little bit we don't want to well, when you give it a month there's always going to be a bit <laughs> some things are going to pop up that are worth discussing yes um the e3 video game sort of xo expo mm -hmm. is on at the moment usually yeah. a big 
it's a big it's a big sort yeah. of event every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, will I actually? Given that you can't buy a console that any of these idiots are selling, mm. I don't care. <laughs> Fix your supply chain, yeah, <laughs> get and then it, I'll take get notice. It sorted. Like, yeah. I actually thought the other day. <clears throat> knowing that E3 was on and obviously Xbox were probably going to do a thing about Halo and I, th- I think the game is definitively coming out for like Christmas. Yeah. And he went, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. And I remember thinking, oh, maybe I'll, I'll just like, is there somewhere I can pre-order an Xbox just to get in the queue? Yeah. No, there's not. Yeah. No. Microsoft website? No. JB? No. EB? No. Mm. Big W? <laughs> no. Nah, nowhere. You can't. Amazon? Yeah. No. No one knows when the consoles will be in stock. This is, and PlayStation's not much better. No. This is the worst major product rollout in the history of consumer, not even consumer electronics, mm. consumer items. No doubt they made a huge fucking buck when they released, but, but, but even and they'll then, continue they? to make them. But it's like, are they just holding them all till they have like containers and containers and containers full? I don't know what they're trying to do because you don't have stock. They're not really releasing games. I would have thought a global pandemic would have been the perfect time mm. when you've got most of the Western world sitting Playing around at home, <laughs> unable yeah. to do anything. Yeah, I understand that the job market, as you're well aware, yeah. Will, uh-huh. uh, isn't great at the moment. But I would have thought that during a pandemic, stuff like this would fly off the shelf if you had stock. Yes. So for whatever's whatever has affected their supply chain mm. is a disaster. Because... It just seems extraordinary that Xbox, like one of the Microsoft's flagship products, mm. as I keep saying, Sony aren't in a much better position. No. Oh, we, yeah, no, we don't know when we're going to have any. What goes at all? Go, no, we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So why do I care about anything you're talking about at this games expo when I actually don't know when I'm going to be able yeah, to buy a console? Exactly. This game may release, but I can't play it on anything. It doesn't matter because yeah. if Halo comes out tomorrow, I'm going to be like, "Well, I can't play it." Cause well, I think they do have to. I'm not entirely sure what they have been saying, but I think they need to. Any game they're releasing, they have to make it playable on PS4. If you can't buy a PS5, which a lot they, of them are backwards, which the, yeah, compatible just yeah. at the moment anyway. But like, it's in non-negotiable until there is PS5s and Xbox Ones readily available. No, they're not going to have standalone. You have to make titles. Yeah. Um, so there's a few little things out of that, but for the most of us who don't have any of those consoles, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Another major piece of news a couple of weeks ago was that MGM have been bought out by Amazon. $11 billion, Will. Must be nice. $11 billion Must be nice. For MGM, yeah. a, a sequel, uh, sorry, a, a movie house, which is very storied in Hollywood history, of course, but... Yeah being brutally honest, doesn't really have a lot of what I would consider valuable modern IP. But um, in an interesting move, they basically bought it because of um, they want to bolster their streaming catalogue, Amazon. Mm. So they've got Amazon Prime, um, much in the same way that Disney have obviously consolidated the Fox library into their own library. Yeah, Amazon are probably sitting there going, we actually need to hoover up whatever titles we can. Yeah, So they buy MGM. MGM... Um, like have the Wizard of Oz. Who like who Rocky? Who values a movie and says, "Yeah, th- this is worth seven hundred million? Like it just what it was made, what made what it made in the cinema. Is that how you value value a movie? It's a hard discussion. And add it to the catalog. It's probably not a. It's probably not a hard and fast. Particularly when it comes to streaming, you're buying the library. 
Yeah. So it's what it's worth. Apparently, Apple balked at it. Apple were interested at one point, but they went on oh, eleven, like how many billion? They probably went. The value in MGM's library is not so much the titles themselves, as in the Wizard of Oz mm. and Rocky movies. It's it's those IPs. So you can remake, yeah, or you can reimagine, or you can spin off a sequel, or you know a, a new take on it, or whatever, which is very much the Disney model. We're going to talk about Cruella lately or later, yeah. But you, you sort of think, well, they're buying these properties because they want to make new versions of these classic titles, which have brand recognition, market recognition. That's probably to them where the value is, mm-hmm. and they also want to just bolster their Amazon Prime library yeah, yeah, with yeah. a bunch, however many thousands upon thousands of movies. But Amazon Prime is a woefully bad, um, uh, it's not very user-friendly at all. I didn't mind it. On the on the laptop, it's not too bad. Mm. But on a TV, it is fucking hard. It's See, like, I had it on the tablet. Yeah. It's which was okay. painful on a TV. And it needs, like, you look at Netflix, Disney+, Stan, Binge, real usable. Yeah, they might need to update that. It's then. like, it's bad. But that was an interesting one. And then the other piece of news to come from it was James Bond, which is part of that family, is still likely to stay a theatrical release. But the mm. clock is ticking on that. Yeah. Because films like... The biggest ones to get just off the top of my head, the biggest films to be delayed because of the COVID situation, Black Widow yeah. is next month mm-hmm. on Disney. So that's not going to the movies. At all. No, I can book it at Village. But it'll be on Disney Plus premiere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's going to that. Um, it will get where markets are open, a cinema release, mm. but they've bit the bullet and just said we're going to put it on Disney Plus. Top Gun was one that's kind of probably disappeared out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. That was meant to be out late last year. And James Bond was probably the first one that was meant to be out in April. But holding onto it, holding onto it, because that's their biggest new release. That's their <sighs> biggest cinema release on the slate, so that'll stay a theatrical release at the moment, but that's a bit of a watch this space, to be honest. The longer this goes on, yeah. I mean, <sighs> do they just pull the trigger? Yeah, they can't just, like, know. can a movie. People want to see it. That's it. Like, they, they, they would argue we're happy to sit on it until we can release it wide, mm. but then you'd be like, well, when the hell is that going to be? Yeah. Hype's going to be died down. Oh, look, that's a film that can sustain that. But at the same time, yeah, you're but it's not like going to have anywhere near the level of hype that it would have if it was, oh, if it, <sighs> it come out as planned. It's hard. I think James Bond is enough of a property to turn people's heads mm. to go. That's worth going back to the cinema for. Oh, there's a new James Bond. Oh, there's a new Star Wars, or there's a new Marvel film, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, Todd Phillips has struck a deal to write a sequel to the Joker. Hmm. There's uh, reports that he'll only co-write the film. They haven't said um, with whom he'll be co-writing it or whether he'll return to direct it or whether Joaquin Phoenix is returning. So there's a lot of what the hell's happening um, with this particular we piece can have of a info. Mrs. Joker? So, well, they could have Harley Quinn. Mm. But that, that's a bit of a, another one I say to a lot of watch this space. I mean, yeah. a lot of people would be interested to hear that, but at the moment there's not a lot of info around the skeleton of... No. Clearly, the film makes a billion dollars. So, jo- um, Todd Phillips' attitude might be, "Look, I don't want to commit to doing anything else, but you're going to pay me." He might get five hundred grand to write a script. Yeah. So he might just go, "Yeah, sure." 
I'll co-write a script and I'll take, you have to pay me to do that, yeah. whether we make the film or not. I'll co-write the script. What happens from there is none of my business. Mm. Um, that might be his his rationale, but I don't know. I think there's, it's a bit of an old Hollywood conceit, the old one and done. We do a standalone film and it stands alone forever and that's just it. Mm. And it was good and it was better than people probably expected and that's good enough. Mm. Just leave it be. Don't don't tempt fate. Don't go back and try to do something else. Bit of lightning in a bottle. Um, more superheroes coming to TV, Will. Green Lantern moving forward at HBO Max, uh, which again... Do we know who's playing Green Lantern? No, we don't. But they're going to be... Um, the Green Lanterns, Guy Gardner and Alan Scott. So there, there are four Green Lanterns. The number one is Hal Jordan. Yeah. He was the Ryan Reynolds, and yeah. he's probably the most known. When you say Green Lantern, most people go, oh, Hal Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, John Stewart is the black Green Lantern, um, who has been rumoured a few times to turn up in different bits and pieces. I think Common was going to play him at one point or rumoured yeah. to play him. Um, he's probably the, the number two Green Lantern. So it's interesting that if they're going to make a TV show based on this character, they're going for two of the lesser known mm. versions to potentially not step on a big screen version yes. of, of a John Stewart. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of says we want to do it, but we also want to leave enough room for DC to for inevitably yeah, yeah, yeah. do the Green Lantern, mm-hmm. which is a big screen property. Yeah, just in terms of effects and all that stuff, like it's a big screen property. Yeah. And to be honest, it's a bit like. I don't know. It's it's. I always feel a bit like Fantastic Four. Like we've had a Green Lantern film, which wasn't good. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the character's not good. It just means that that film wasn't very good. They Correct. didn't do it very well. Correct. But this is a character that could be very good. Um, a Wakanda set series will be on Disney Plus. Uh, so that's um, potentially going to centre around the character of Okoye. Sister. No. The no. um the. The um, lady who's a member of the guard. Old chick yeah. in, yeah, yeah. So it's potentially going to centre around her character. Interesting. So that's probably, you would imagine, might tie into or follow on from the next Black Panther yes. film. That might be an entree or a dessert. <laughs> We're using restaurant. Um. After dinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, staying in the world of comic books, Aaron Taylor-Johnson has signed on to play Craven the Hunter, which I'm going to be brutally honest with you, I like the character. I don't like the idea of him having his own standalone film. I think that's dumb. Taylor. Um, it's sort of a bit like Morbius. Jared Leto was playing mm. Morbius, who was kind of like a fringe Spider-Man universe character. That right. film got delayed. Um, I was thinking this speaks to Sony clearly running their own agenda and slate in the Spider-Man universe opposite Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, how that all ties into multiverse and mm-hmm. the new Spider-Man and what eventually comes of it. Are they going to reintroduce Garfield and Maguire? Are those going to spin off and continue this parallel Spider-Man, which allows Tom Holland to be the MCU prime Spider-Man? Mm. Um, but I, I like the... Craven the Hunter's a fun character for a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. In that he's just a hunter, clearly. And he's been bought by J. Jonah Jameson to New York to hunt Spider-Man. Yeah. And you go, that's just a fun, you know, um, hide-and-seek movie premise where he's trying to catch him if he can't, he just is always escaping, blah, blah, blah. So as a standalone character, curious, because he does tie into Spider-Man chiefly, so without Spider-Man, I, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> um, casting underway for a film said to be based on the life and times of 
Steven Spielberg's childhood. Um, r- reports are sort of ambiguous. I'm interested in it, but it's not really... The report I read didn't really make mention of, is it a bio or is yeah. it like inspired by... Is there anything publicly that has happened in his well, life that... He's got a, he's got an interesting... A lot of his films, if you watch particularly his early films, he really kind of demonises the father. Right. If you watch a lot of his early stuff, like in E.T., yeah. in um, Close Encounters, he does he does a lot of like demonising of the father figure. Yeah. And it's a lot of single mums and a lot of, you know, classic American suburbia... Um, suburbia and that very Amblin Spielberg era. But apparently his old man was like a really nice guy and he was always there. Right. So it's a strange thing that everyone just assumes, oh, do you come from like a broken... <laughs> y- yeah. Y- you, are you demonising your Riding father? Riding your bike on the streets seven days um, a week. So apparently you're going to be called The Fablemans. It's his follow-up to December's West, Air, West Side Story, which comes out later this year. And it's actually his first film, West Side Story, since um, Ready Player One. Hmm. which is you know now three years ago, I think, that came out in 2018. Okay. Um, but it's an interesting story to tell at this stage of his career, to go back and tell a story about his childhood. Hmm. Uh, it's a kind of reflective piece, and it's... I, I remember seeing all these cool... Um, there was this really awesome doco about Spielberg made a couple of years ago, which was excellent, really yeah. genuinely... Almost last dance style. It was a one-off yeah. piece, but very similar. Really went through his upbringing his early career the middle part was absolutely unbelievable so well done um and definitely worth a watch for anyone who hasn't seen it um when just remind me i'll try to look up what it's called Mm -hmm. but that's that's absolutely worth a watch um warner brothers new line animation have announced a standalone lord of the rings animated prequel which have you watched the bad batch yeah I, i don't it's okay i don't yeah so this... It's been flirting with me on Disney Plus whenever yeah. I go through. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I'm a Clone Wars guy, but yeah. uh, I watched a, a... It was okay. Didn't yeah. didn't really grab me by the scruff of the neck. But right. what I like about this animated prequel called The War of the Rohirrim um, is that it's a really sensible, cost-effective way to keep those valuable IPs alive. Mm. DC and Warner Brothers do an awesome job with those animated Batmans and animated DC Comics films. They do an unbelievable job of just bringing out these really watchable, well-done adaptations that you kind of go, this isn't costing you an arm and a leg to make. It's not cheap, but it's not making a $200 million movie. Mm. And it's just keeping Batman in that case and Lord of the Rings in this case, just keeping keeping them visible. Mm. Here's a new thing. Here's a new story. You haven't seen this one before. It's a cartoon. It's a bit different. If it's got a cool animation style, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just a really, really good way we've often I've spoken about it before why there isn't an Indiana Jones cartoon why on Disney Plus is there not an Indiana Jones cartoon why is there not a Rocketeer cartoon why is there not really cost effective ways of keeping these properties in people's line of sight yeah because it's so expensive time consuming the cost of actually making it obviously the risk of making a $200 million movie yeah. of something that may sink or swim, well, wet people's appetite. Yeah. Do a cartoon. Do a short little series. One of the greatest pieces of Batman media of all time is the early 90s cartoon. Yeah. Brilliant. They told so many stories that would not have otherwise been told because they were too costly to tell. So you tell them weekly in a 22-minute cartoon. <laughs> it's fantastic. So cool. this is obviously a, a feature-length yeah. um, thing that'll come out probably... Next year-ish. They didn't have a date on it. <coughs> Got some interesting ones for you here, Will. 
Emmy. Peacock, which is NBC's streaming platform. Um, they've entered what? the fray. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> oh, you know the NBC logo, the Peacock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've got their own streaming platform, yeah. which, I mean, it makes sense. They all do yeah, now. Yeah, it's a good yeah. way to, to put your catalogue on demand yeah. and, you know, just keep making money from it, rolling over. They've announced a straight to, what is it called? Straight to order? Just trying to remember the, the terminology. Basically, without a pilot. Mm. They've just signed a deal to make a television show based on Ted. The bear. The bear. Marvelous. That works for me. Yeah. I remember I saw that report and went, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good idea. So there's no uh, word at the moment exactly how it'll shake out. Uh, Seth MacFarlane is obviously in talks to be Ted. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. why he wouldn't do it. Um, to, to be the voice. Yeah. I, I have no idea why he wouldn't return as the voice. He does enough voice acting as it is. Yeah. It's just his own voice. Yeah. Um, it just seems like a license for him to print money. Yeah. Mark Warburg, again, no word on his involvement. He he would actually only need to be involved sporadically Yeah. if Ted was out and about. Because I, I can't remember how the last... Uh, he, ended ended. Up, he ended up being declared a huge, like, a, like a person yeah. in a uh, court. And then he was able to marry uh, Tammy Lynn. So, like, Tammy Lynn would be in it because yeah. she's not doing anything yeah, else. Yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, as, just as an idea, I thought, yeah, just don't extend yourself. Just make, like, 10 or 11-episode series. Mm -hmm. Don't do the old American 24 episodes a no. year. Just do 10 or 11. Yeah. And it's a nice, easy way for people to go, yeah, cool. Come back next year. Come back next year. Yeah. Tell some more silly stories. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good idea. I like that. And then here's one. Peacock have also announced an eight-episode revival series for... Are you sitting down, Will? I am. MacGruber. <laughs> I will break as... <laughs> I will suck as many dicks, snap as many... Um, he... So, Will Forte, who plays MacGruber, yeah. is in. Kristen Wiig is in. <laughs> Ryan Philippe is in. Obviously, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Drawn a blank on his name. Damn it, Powers Booth, he's dead. So he's not coming back, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so the series will reportedly pick up 10 years after the movie with MacGruber having been in prison for that entire time. <laughs> um, again, MacGruber is an underrated comedy classic, is a cult, uh, cult picture yes. with a cult following. Most people who watch it, I think, quite enjoy it. Yeah, It's not a sense of humour for everybody. But if it if it gets you between the eyes, mm. uh, you love it. Have you do you have you seen uh, Facebook group Instagram Instagram page the twenty eight year old male? No, they just do like you know someone a male our age relatable posts much along the lines of sports bet points bet tab that sort of humour, mm. um, and occasionally they'll use a MacGruber clip. Brilliant, and in the comments. Everyone's like, what's this movie? What's this what movie? What is this? But then the people that are going MacGruber, they're like, the fuck's MacGruber? And they're like, it is the single greatest film in the world. <laughs> like, everyone is like, it's the greatest film in the world. <laughs> MacGruber, like we spoke about Hot Rod <laughs> yeah. on the pod. MacGruber is like Hot Rod. Yeah. Going, nowhere near enough people have seen this movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's got enough of the like the funniest clips yeah. you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like you know, KFBR 32, <laughs> KFBR 392, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I love, one of my favourite, I love when MacGruber goes to the party yeah, and he just completely blows his cover. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome, awesome news. Eight episodes, looking forward to that. 
There's a five-minute extended trailer for the upcoming Jurassic World sequel, Dominion, uh, which will run before IMAX screenings of Fast 9. Not sure if that'll be here or just in the States. Yeah. <coughs> so I wonder if we'll get that trailer or, or a version of that trailer you know, thereafter. That'll be that'll be interesting. So that's coming out shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been shots of Indiana Jones, which is currently I saw filming. That, yes. So that's filming in uh, somewhere in England at the moment. Very frail. Well, he's like 74 or something. Yeah. But the interesting tidbit was, so the set showed like a train yard and the trains were sticking up with like Nazi paraphernalia. Yeah. And people sort of speculated... If the last one was set in the 50s, and that was 10 years ago, it would make sense that this one would be set somewhere in the 60s. Yeah. So what's with the Nazi stuff? And then Harrison Ford was spied on set with tracking dots on his face. Yeah. So that'll obviously be a digitally de-aged flashback. Yeah. So the last film mentioned he served um, in World War II in o- o- uh, OSS, which is yeah. sort of the British you know, Secret Service. Yeah. Um, so I reckon we'll be getting a flashback. I'm going to put my money on it being the opening of the movie. Mm. I reckon the movie will open with an action scene of young Indiana Jones. And then he'll wake up. And, <laughs> and then, because that's a way, because 75-year-old Indiana Jones yeah. can't really do an action scene. No. So that that's a way to get the film going, yeah. give the audience what they want, hit the ground running, and then segue into the plot. Yeah. Whether that ties into the plot, there's always... Because everyone's like, oh, how are the Nazis figuring in Nazi gold or transporting something? And you go, well, it might just be completely unrelated, like the Cross of Coronado or the the remains of the Emperor in in the Temple of Doom. They always start off with an adventure or a mission, James Bond style, that's not really related to the plot of the movie. We just join in the tail end of of another mission. So it might just be that. It might just be a flashback to... Yeah. Uh, a mission he had in World War Two that is some tangentially linked yeah. to whatever, um, but it's a way of showing and his great nephew, nephew or someone will come along. Well, and I think it'll be, be the next the Rain Win- Ray Winston character who was his friend turned they did like double crossed him. Yeah, in Cry- uh, Crystal Skull, but I think he'll probably be in the flashback as well. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting bit of t- a bit of yeah. news. Um, I think that comes out some stage next year. Yeah. and Indiana Jones, like I said, is always. Gets people going because it's yeah. a, it's a classic property, um, so underutilized though. When you yeah. think about Harrison Ford playing this character, that's like <laughs> been in four movies in yeah. forty years. Mm. You're like, they did the TV show in the early nineties, but you're like, fuck, this has got so much more potential than a couple of video games. Yeah, oh, it's such a such a waste. <laughs> um, did we want to briefly before we get into our picks? Uh, you had something to tell me about. Um, Ah, this <laughs> boxing thing that keeps on happening. I mean, not so much to tell you. I just I would have liked to have a bit of. Will for those not knowing, me and Sean were talking about um, how pe- basically social media has made its way into boxing, which is ridiculous. And uh, You've got YouTube and Instagram inf- influencers like fighting each other. Yeah, I well, don't care. So the event yesterday was in quotation marks called social gloves, and it's literally just. Uh, influencers fighting each other. Um, it's Why do they think anyone's interested in this? And then B, it's staggering that people are. Because from my examination, boxing came back to, I guess, popularity when the vehicle of McGregor fought Mayweather. Mm-hmm. And then Mayweather and 
Did he? Was it? Did Pac- Did he fight Pacquiao after maybe? Ah, uh, before. Yeah. So he. So McGregor's fought him, and then combat sports is back in the ring, back in the uh, eyes of the general pop- the, the general population, and then YouTube boxing essentially started twenty seventeen with these two English so boats, and then it's spiraled into the two poor brothers becoming this absolute money-making machine for anyone that wants to put their hands in and has enough money to put on an event. Um, I put it to Will when we were speaking about this that a legitimate boxer should challenge Logan Paul. Which they all do and have done. But, like, make... They need to do... They need to be far more aggressive about it. Yeah. (coughs) They need to say, you're making a mockery... Of the sport, which he is, they, and they all yeah, are. They are. You are. Making, they know. They know exactly what they're you doing. You are making a complete mockery of the sport. Yeah. Your fight against Mayweather was a farce. Yeah. People paid for that fight, a because they're idiots, because it was just everyone knew which way it was going to go, but they paid for the fight to watch Mayweather knock him out. People pay for those fights, whether it be Logan Paul, Jake Paul, this social clubs yeah. thing yesterday, yeah. to watch someone that they find annoying lose, get knocked out. Yeah. And if Mayweather was serious, and this is where look, he doesn't care because he got his hundred and forty million. Did someone Whatever say? Whatever it was, yeah. Like that's just beggar's belief. But he yeah. got his enormous payday, which is all he's interested in. But Floyd Mayweather, people praise Floyd Mayweather for being this businessman. He's not a businessman. No, he's an opportunist. He's a prize fighter. He he has his fight, wins his money, spends his money, goes. I have no money. I need a fight. Fight someone. Does it all over again. It's this never-ending circle. And you know what? Like what I love is that people scoff about like professional wrestling. Professional wrestling has no pretense about what it is. No. But what all these nonsensical quote-unquote fights have become is everything that people mock about professional wrestling. If Mayweather was serious, which he wasn't because he didn't care, he obviously probably had some kind of agreement, he would have knocked him out. Yeah. He would have. He would have knocked him out. He would have flattened him, would have put him on his ass three or four times. If he was serious, if he wanted to be involved in it, but he didn't because he didn't care because he gets paid either way. Mayweather though isn't a he's not a Garcia Canelo. No, not, he's not. Knockout he's a professional boxer. boxer. Yeah, but he's not a knockout boxer. He should do more damage than he's a what def- he did. Absolute defensive beast, and he's just ducking, diving, doing whatever he can. And that's the thing. Like with a a really rigid, genuine guy, they yeah. need to put really aggressively go after these idiots and say. You need to fight someone who's for oh, real. Oh, which they, which they, Logan Paul, not so much. He's like he understands what he's doing is just a big money grab. He'll just take his time to whatever. On the other hand, he's got his little brother Jake Paul, who is just he's just turning into. He's t- he's just the bad guy now, and he knows it. He owns it. He plays it. Um, he's fighting. He's obviously he's fought initially two YouTubers, uh, ex basketballer. I did see that one. Ex UFC fighter who was a grappler who was known for his wrestling. Um, so that was like, and he walked in. He had like a hip a hip replacement eight weeks prior. Um, he's now just signed on to fight Tyrone Woodley, UFC fighter, probably the most experienced out of all of his opponents, the, mm. the one who has the most chance to do something to him. But he's just going to keep ducking and ducking and ducking until he's made enough money and goes, yeah, I'm. I'm all, I'm good. I don't need to fight someone that, real. That just shits me because he's made he's he's signed like a twelve fight thing with Showtime Boxing. See, and this is where someone at Showtime Boxing needs to actually go. 
we're not being taken for a ride. They're a legitimate boxing broadcaster yeah. with legitimate stake in the health and credibility of boxing yeah. as a sport. Actually, having go, you're actually going to have to fight someone. Which who's I think a eventually threat. they will. I think they will say you have to like you. you we're going to you know pull out of this and like it, eventually they will have to, or he will, or they will stop. They will not. Because actually, the way it's going is boxing at the moment's had a bit of a renaissance on the back of proper prize fighting in the heavyweight division. Oh yeah, you got guys Klitschko, Klitschko Anthony Joshua got done. You know, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury yeah. hold the the heavyweight belts. Yeah. And you got obviously Deontay Wilder yeah. in the background wanting a fight again against um, Fury. Yeah. But the biggest event in boxing, arguably in boxing history, is right in front of everybody. The last thing that the sport needs is these sideshow circus bullshit. I think if they were, but yeah, if they were saying this is like the biggest event of all time, people are like, uh, relax. No, it's not. No, but I mean, what I mean is that boxing has, on its platter, has got. Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, yeah. two Englishmen, yeah. who both hold the heavyweight championships of the world. I think they, they having, had that organised. They, having a unification bout. They they agreed they agreed to a fight without signing anything. That they agreed to a fight. It'd be the biggest boxing match in decades, yeah. potentially of all time. And you're going. We've got that. The last thing we need is these idiots bringing the sport into disrepute, making it a joke. Yeah, but they're not. They're all exhibition. They're not real yeah, fights. But no, but I understand that. But at the same time, people are sitting there going, "You got idiots out there who are thinking this is boxing," or these dumb fuck knuckle wankers who watch them on YouTube, yeah, who puts any stock in these fights at all. And you've got genuine proper fighters who are out there, you know, scrapping around, making a living, trying to climb up the the rankings, trying to get their shot. And you're going, it's bullshit that idiots like Logan Paul and his fucking dumb cunt brother. And those other two fuckheads are making any kind of <laughs> who, money. They're making more money than these legitimate proper fighters are, who are trying to make a name for themselves. Who are some of the people in your life? Things you consume, sport you watch. So, like, what singular people that you go, oh, they're doing something. I'll tune in. Just off the top of your head. Yeah, but I wouldn't watch sports them, people. I wouldn't watch them box. What if they if they were going to be in a fight with someone? You wouldn't go. I'll just I'll I'll look at the result. I'd probably go. I'd maybe look at the result, but I wouldn't watch and pay. But for you the wouldn't. Fight. No, it, no. I I have never paid for a single thing. But all day yesterday with this social gloves thing, because I was aware of some of the people fighting in it, and I'd been watching them on YouTube for a couple of years. I was like, I'll just I'll literally have the illegal stream up. There was like four or five people doing it on on Twitch. It was unreal. No someone, one, no needs, one was paying. They, they need to go. Easier said than done, I get it. But they, somebody with a bit of credibility in the boxing game needs to light a fire under them. Oh, they all do. And they say, this is a load of shit, but they're making money, they're bringing awareness to the sport of boxing. That's all they say. That's what they all say. If I was a relatively ranked, like a relatively, you know, not a bad yeah. boxer, I would almost say to Logan Paul, I'll fight you for free. Go, but it'll be a fight. Like, it's going to be a proper fight. I'll fight you for free. Go, but it'll be it'll be on. It's none of this bullshit. Yeah, but they're not going to do that though. I just say and just go. Be not you do then to Logan Paul. You say put your money where your mouth is because people are going to want to see you get knocked out. I will fight you for nothing, no purse, no prize money. There's no cut for me, and people will pay for the pay per view to watch you get knocked out. They'll pay to watch me knock you out. So you get paid, no matter which way it cuts. If you surprise the world and stay on your feet, you get paid. If you get knocked out. You get paid. Yeah, but what? Where does that? What, what benefit does that have for you as for a who? 
for you as a profile. Pro, as a pro boxer. Yeah, profile. Well, you knocked out someone who doesn't really know how to box. No, but this thing, he wants to make money gallivanting and pretending to be a boxer. So if you're the boxer who, on behalf of the sport, its promoters, its fighters, yeah. says, I'll get in the ring with him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the fight with him, and I'm going to knock him out, you actually might get some credibility, you might get some chutzpah in the actual boxing world, which could benefit <laughs> you then moving forward. If you've mm. been the one that's fought for the code's honour and said, yeah, I'll go in the ring, I'll get in the ring with this guy and I'll knock him out, that's for everyone, that's for every professional boxer. It'll, it'll happen soon, sooner rather than later, I would think. Some, someone's, a real boxer's going to get into a ring with someone that isn't a real boxer that's been training for 15 years. And you, and you go, just do. You right, sit there and say... It. He's done. That, let's go. let's get back to it. That boxer would need to go to... Imagine... And what you'd say to Logan Paul as a businessman, as a promoter, just go, all I'll say at a, at a press conference or whatever, at a long online Twitch stream, yeah. I'll knock him out. Mm. I'm going to knock him out. Okay, yeah. That's all I need to say. You go, and make no bones about it. I will knock this guy out. You will get your money's worth. That's what you want to see. Yeah. And go out and do it. And then, from as I said, those the, the YouTube guy's point of view, go, you get paid no matter what happens. Yeah. You get paid, but what you're putting on the line is your ego. Because mm. you've been swanning around pretending to be a boxer to a bunch of idiot kids, and that needs to be shattered. That yeah. mystique and the... The worst thing was though, with, there was one. There was one fight yesterday where there's this basically one of the one of the pretty boys of TikTok who's these <laughs> the, the pretty boys. There's literally he's like the one of the marquee boys on TikTok that do all their fucking sexy dances for the thirteen year old girls that love it. It's bizarre. Yeah, weird. He was fighting this one YouTuber who's been who's been from the very first YouTube boxing event. He's been boxing. He's been training. Rah rah. Fought initially one of the poor brothers. Absolutely canned it. Got. Lasted a round um, because he got knocked down three times and the ruling of where they yes. fought was three knockdowns, you're done, whatever. Um, clearly, clearly won this fight. Like, by the stats that were recorded during during the during the match. I might have seen this. Yeah, clearly, clearly won. All of Twitter is like, what the fuck is going on here? called a draw. Called it? a majority draw. Yeah. And you can see in the ref, there was a video of the ref and he's lifted both hands up going, thing. what the fuck? So the ref involved, like, people... The ref involved would be a credibly licensed yeah. boxing official yes, yes. who is doing this for a payday yeah, yeah. and this, to be properly licensed by the, the Sports and Athletic Commission of whatever state it was held in. Yeah. It needs to be have an accredited official yeah. referee. Yeah. Yeah. Going, he'd be just going, what a fucking joke. But then yeah, he he was even like the other, the, I saw a vision of the other refs. They were like, winner, yeah, here, winner here, yeah. winner here, winner here. Yep. He's pulled up both hands and gone, what the fuck? I saw it. The look yeah. on his face was like, you're kidding me. So this guy, I've watched a couple of the videos this morning. This guy's just gone, like, I was robbed. This is bullshit. But this is the thing. The pretty, boy, the pretty boy has, he's best mates with the person that ran the event. They they again, they want, they want didn't want his image destroyed again, so they Will. could have uh, again, Will. six more Spot on. events. I agree. This is, you're, what you're saying is exactly right. Yeah. You're going, what you are doing is fraudulent. All of them. You're yeah. You're taking the piss and you need to be taught a lesson. Yeah. And if you don't want to be taught a lesson, and for a boxer, like a guy coming up, if you just like harassed him yeah, and just went, I'll fight you. But I can guarantee you this social golf thing will barely even get off the ground next time. This yeah, good. There's going to be, because there is going to be a whole lot of YouTubers that go, no, nah, if I'm going to get in there, do hard work and possibly get done because pretty boy is friends with the owner of this thing, 
why would I do it? Mm, well, you know, that's which is which is what you want, Sean. You don't you want they're going to lose credibility because of what happened yesterday. It's crazy. Good. It's a good result. Yeah. Um, so we're getting to our picks of the week now. Uh, mm. We've actually all we've watched the same thing three times, which yeah. is good because we've we obviously haven't recorded in a while. We did uh, giving ourselves a month, but then there's actually been stuff that's come out to watch. Exactly right. We actually we haven't really had since we started this podcast. It, it kind of worked out. <laughs> um, do we want to start with Loki? Sure. So Loki obviously started airing on Wednesday night. I don't know about you, Will, but I'd actually I'd got myself into the Friday night rhythm. Despite the ad campaign, <laughs> yes, annoying. <laughs> despite the, the very prominent, the very well done ad campaign that yeah. Disney were running to say it's Wednesday nights, yeah. I completely forgot. Yeah. I was watching a bit of the State of Origin rugby, <laughs> and then I think I reckon an ad might have come yeah. up, and I went, "Oh my god, it's on tonight!" So yeah. I, I chucked Loki on. Yeah. Um, what do I want to say? I liked it first. Uh-huh. First things first, yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I think it's. The idea of the multiverse, which is what they're setting yes. up, and the idea of these cross-contaminated timelines, mm-hmm. they've got a really hard graft ahead of them to do so much setup yeah. for stuff like Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, which comes out in December, and whatever comes after that, um, Quantumania, in, with Ant- Ant-Man, I think is yep. the same sort of thing. They've got such a hard graft ahead of them to do so much heavy lifting for this multiverse concept. Even still though, I think they've done a bit of a fair bit of lifting in that first episode. But I, I agree completely, but yeah. doing it off Broadway. Because there's gonna still be a large portion of the audience yeah. that don't watch Loki. Yes. That haven't seen WandaVision. Yeah. And they're sort of going They're waiting for the next movie. Just going, what is this? What's happening? Yeah. Where's this happened? Yeah. Where has this story been told? Yeah. There's a lot of heavy lifting ahead of them. Um and and two, I think with something like Loki it all has to be meaningful enough to matter to make this show actually work. Mm. It has to actually click and and fall into place and make sense, but not so broad or, or not so important, I should say, that the broader MCU depends on you having seen it, mm. which is really the high wire. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real high wire to walk to go, we need this to be important enough so our audience watching it like it, but not so important that you need to have seen it yeah. for what comes next on the big screen to work. Yeah, I think taking a step back from the wider universe, when you're looking at a character like Loki, though, I think they've done a really good job in stripping him down in that first episode. Because we, yeah. we kind of know Loki as, you know, the he's kind of fli- he's double, he's flipped and flopped with the sides that he's been with. And this is the thing. Then we saw him dying. No, totally. So, like, Loki gets introduced in 2000 and... 10 yeah. in Thor, 11 in Thor. And then, then he's then he's the bad guy in Avengers in 12. Yeah. But then in Thor The Dark World, which is 2013, sort of halfway through that, he becomes a good guy. Yeah. And he sort of stayed yeah. there for the next seven or eight years. Yeah. So my worry, it wasn't a worry as such, but I thought, as you touched on then, I thought they did a really yeah. good job... Um, like not making from the get go, he he is not in control. I th- I thought they did a really good job not making it what what had happened in between the first Avengers and Endgame. Yeah, like not matter. Yeah, because that's not this Loki. No. So it was hard to go. Well, the Loki we've seen develop since Dark World and Endgame into this conflicted anti-hero, lovable rogue. Yeah, that's not this character. Mm. This is a different Loki who hasn't experienced any of that. But like you said, 
in 40 odd minutes they yeah. were able to kind of make him that character yeah. in a convincing enough way mm. which was good I think they the introduction to the TVA is hilarious I think there are like you've got the infinity all the infinity stones in a drawer and there's a reference to them being known as paperweights and it's a hard one isn't it it's hard it's, it's that once again it's that like the idea of the multiverse in general it's a very it's a potentially very messy yes Full of conflicts. Yeah, full of like, okay, this is... what. Uh-huh. Why haven't they got involved yeah. here? And yeah. It's a bit like the Eternals, I think, is going to be like that. And then they're like, oh, well, why didn't you stop the Avengers? And they're like, oh, well... Because he was on the sacred were, timeline. They were doing good things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's... Look, I think it's fresh. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And I think it's like that too because it's a bit risky. Yeah. Um, you know, it was reflective of... You know, it, it kind of shone the camera... Onto Loki from the inside out, yeah, which was which was good fun as in a way to introduce this version of the character back to the audience, mm. um, and sort of recontextualize his role in the broader story. Yeah. I loved that you got your um, you got your DB Cooper d- see, in the first episode. The only thing I'll say about it is you wanted more. It was just kind of a little inside joke that I don't know if it's really necessary. It was really kind of throwaway. That he yeah. just did it as a prank. He just did it as a joke. Yeah. But then it's also like it's that story, until you told me about it, I had no idea about it. So it's one of those, it's a line that only a handful of people will know. Like when, uh, after the pod that we discussed about it, I went up and I went onto Wikipedia and whatever and read about it, blah, blah, blah. When it came up in the show, I gave it a chuckle. Maddie goes, what's, what's that about? I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> and, and like, but this I know. This is a joke between me and Sean. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, there would just would have been, there would have been a small minority that got it. And I think Owen Wilson's Morbius, he, his reaction to, oh, you were DB Cooper. Like he, like he's, everyone's going, ah, oh, like that's it. And like, but I don't think they'll touch on that again. No, not at all. No. It's just a little Easter egg that yeah. they throw in. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite a meta sort of thing, you know, kind of taking in everything that had happened to date and, why he did it and he had that lovely little moment where he kind of said I'm not the bad guy yeah. and, and he sort of went oh yeah cool and it was a way of I always I always find a way to make these discussions about wrestling but how you make <laughs> but how you make do how you how do you do a heel turn or a face turn yeah. is is really important what's the moment you've you've said this guy's a bad guy for a year yeah. on your television programs how do you make him a good guy yeah cuz now you want to tell a fresh story well, they've already done that with Loki. They did a face turn you know, yeah. nearly 10 years ago. Yeah. And then we get reintroduced to him as a heel briefly. And then now in they've got 30 minutes to make him a good guy mm. again. And then without wanting to um, spoil the show, if you haven't watched it now, it's been out for four or five days yeah. you know, by, by this point. Get um, onto it. Stop being lazy. Get onto it. Stop being lazy. <laughs> I agree. I, I really like the, the final twist. Um, just as a fun setup, that you watch these shows and you think whether it's WandaVision, whether it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, being on TV, same thing as Mandalorian, and you're thinking, who's the bad guy? Mm. Who are they going to, quote unquote, who are they going to burn yeah. as a bad guy in a television show? Yeah. Because they're not going to burn a Thanos level no. crazy villain. You kind of go, well, who are they going to use? I think it's a really clever twist that it's him. Yeah. They show us this version of, well, we don't actually see that it's Loki, but the story is that this There's time bandit yeah. who's causing mayhem is actually Loki. 
Yeah. But it's a different Loki. So it's kind of... I saw a, um, I saw a, like an Easter egg video that there's a potential of... Um, again, it's just a theory that in the comics there's a Mrs. Loki, um, like a female Loki, that mm. that'll come in. And, and that's all, once again, you can be risky and frisky on TV. You can yeah. kind of do a few silly yeah. things. But yeah, I'd also, I said I like the idea that if it's, we need a protagonist and an antagonist, yeah, little girl from the old El Paso ad, go, well, why can't Tom Porque Hiddleston no be both? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, not bad. I didn't. I liked it. I liked it. Good start. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I really got no more to add, but as a first episode, leaves you wondering a bit more. Um, but for like a bit for people that aren't, I guess, as in depth as you and me are, Sean. Um, like Maddie was watching it and she finishes it and goes, "I think I just liked, you know, WandaVision and Falcon and whatnot better because it's not like gods, mm-hmm. and it was a bit more kind of real, like not real life, but it kind of it was a little bit more relatable. Whereas this is like half the time we're watching, it, she's going, "I don't understand." I was like. What don't you understand? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, like there's, it's not. She wouldn't be very helpful in a focus group. <laughs> <laughs> I just no. don't like it. <laughs> um, but but it's why? Why? Yeah. Tell us why. I don't know. I, don't know. I just don't. It's the um, vibe. But yeah, it's 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 a very. Uh, I think it's a bit tailored to certain group well, of see, Marvel I was, fans. I but was, then it had the most. It was the biggest. It was the most streamed. Hmm. It's, it's only really going to get bigger and bigger the more and more people get Disney Plus. But yeah, I was a bit like that though with WandaVision as it started to skew into the the crazier realm. Yeah, I was a bit like, oh, it, I use the term again. They walk the high wire well, but it's 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 margin for error is so mm. small before it becomes a bit too much when you start messing with that multiverse idea and. Yeah, the possibilities are massive, but the pitfalls are huge. Mm. If you it just gets a bit big and yeah, a bit yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, well, so w- what about what I've invested in previously does matter and doesn't matter now? Yeah. That's that's where you start to get really dangerous. Um, yeah, so thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, uh, second, we stay with Disney, Disney Plus. Yep. Cruella. Which yes. obviously launched, um, was one of those films that was hurt by the COVID pandemic and, and has had a cinema release, but obviously owing to a number of markets being still very much affected with COVID and cinemas being shut, yep. it uh, found its way to the Disney Plus Premier Access, I think it's called. Yeah, Premier Access, which I refused to pay and asked Sean for, because I didn't ask him for Premier Access, I asked him for the, uh, sure, legally obtained. Right, very um, legally. Yeah, um, so. Very legally. Um, Bit of a hike though, two hours and fourteen minutes. I got it like a late night on like a Thursday night. I just want to get to the runtime. Yeah, I just want to lead with one thing. I liked it. I did. I did as well. I liked it much more than I thought I would. Only thing I did a dis, I did a dis, dis, disservice, disservice to myself, not watching the Dalmatians movies before mm. this because I was, I was a little bit like. Of character names and the whole, I think there's Cruella enough. Th- yeah, there's, an, there's there's enough in there to go. Oh yeah, of course. Th- but then there's also I would have loved to be like fully versed. Yeah, before look, going. In. I honestly think there's enough. This is enough of a departure. Yeah, where it's very much its own thing. Yes, and you could make an argument that 
this actually isn't a prequel to anything. No, it's just an really. origin. Like an origin. It's an origin story that yeah. kind of stands on its own and, and once again recontextualizes, yeah. which Disney love doing it. They're recidivist yeah. reimaginings, you know, turning one dimensional antagonists into these like tragic anti heroes. Yeah. They did yeah. it with Maleficent and and to an extent they actually did it with Dumbo as well. Yeah. Um it's the sort of flip the script kind of stuff that can be a bit tedious mm. sometimes when you're like I know enough about this property and, and you're reintroducing it because we know what it is and yeah. we know Cruella de Vil, ah, oh, yeah, getcha, and 101 yeah, yeah, Dalmatians, ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, getcha. Oh, we're going we're gonna to flip it and we're going to do it in a way you haven't seen it before. Yeah. And it, very easily you can kind of go, I don't care. Yeah. And Cruella could very easily have been that film. But, mate, it's just fun. Mm. It looks amazing. Like, it looks fantastic. Yeah. It's so well made. It's um, got this funky, like, really fun, like, British punk yes. movement to it, underpinned by 60s and 70s fashion and yeah. iconography and sounds. And yeah. Which is I, really I Watching this, I knew that you were going to love that f- that bit of it. I just love... That n- early, like, the 60s, 70s English vibe. Hey, there's nothing better when you see a film that plays really well with its environment and setting yeah. and basically says the character of the film... Is the sets? Yeah. It's it's the sounds and the sights yeah. and how we're going to bring the story. The story is one thing, but it's beautifully underpinned by everything else around yeah. it. Like even little things. Like I loved when they went to Liberty Department Store in London, and you're like, "Yeah, I've been there." It's, and and they shot it in Liberty. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, yeah, I've been in that." And yeah. I know like all the the, the staircases and the thin corridors and this Tudor building where the, the store is, and you go, "It's a landmark," and that's mm. why this character would care about it. Yeah. Um. I Emma Stone killed it. Oh, I think yeah. she did a very, very, very good job. Again, yeah, such a difficult Varro margins. Yeah, this could be bad, and if it's bad, you're in pretty much every scene of the movie. Yeah, it's not good for you. No, um, no, she was great. She had this. I spoke about the sets and the the atmosphere of the era, but she brought a real fizz. Yeah, and because she was fun, she was clearly engaged with it and having a good time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was a really clever way to frame a character that is potentially difficult to make interesting. Because mm. as she's depicted in the cartoon, you're sort of like, yeah, you're just a one-dimensional villain. That yeah. Like, oh, I was oh. expecting... I wasn't sure when Cruella was going to come into the fold. I was thinking, you know, right at the end of film, bang, she dyes her hair. That's Cruella. Okay, brilliant. Came in earlier, than yeah, a, a lot in. earlier than I thought. Yeah, and I was and like, "Damn, this chick is wild." And setting her up as that fun counterculture, yeah, like queen of that punk movement, yeah, and kind of going up against the older established figure, played once again, played very well by Emma Thompson. Yes. She plays that stiff upper lip, yeah. British um, sort of fashion designer role. But then she also well. plays that caring, amazing mother mm. very, very well. No, no, she does. She's a very good actress. Yeah. Um, I did see one of the, the, the um, headlines of one of the reviews was obvious, but at the same time you go, that's what this film is. It was the DeVille wears Prada. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, that's probably yeah. what somebody pitched it as. Yeah. They said it's the devil wears Prada, but, but Cruella, yeah. and we set it in the 60s and it's got this, as I said, this fizz and this fun and this vibrance and yeah. this energy. Um, is it Paul Walter Hauser? Yes. I can never get as, his name right. Um, I was literally just looking at it as Horace. He's fantastic. He was unreal. And him and the dog? What did he say? He goes, he goes it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a dog-sized rat. 
but it's <laughs> but it's not a dog. <laughs> it's, I I it was easily my favorite thing, my favorite thing about the movie. And when the when what is was it was a dog called Patchy or like something yeah it, something involving the eye patch the dog's got. But he walks he, the dog walks into the jail and and they're all like depressed and sad. And he looks at the dog. He goes, "Oh, Patchy, I'm gonna kiss you on the mouth." And there's nothing anyone can say about it. I was pissing myself. <laughs> He was. He's actually very good in just about everything he's in. Yeah. He was awesome in I Tonya. Yes. He played a similarly dumb, ditzy idiot yeah. character. Yeah. And he was very good in. Um, oh, what was the film about the Atlanta, Atlanta '96 bombing? Uh, he played the the lead character. It's named after him. I'm just drawing a blank on what that's called. Not Klansman. No, no, no. no. Um, oh, it's a Clint Eastwood film. Richard Jewell. Right. Richard Jewell, he played Richard Jewell, who was the security officer who was sort of implicated and, and whatnot. That was a less, obviously, fun yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and vibrant role. But again, he was very good in that. He I was loved great. him. He was amazing. He was so fun. And he kind of typified, along with Emma Stone um, and Emma Thompson, uh, just how much fun everyone was having. Yeah. And you kind of go, it, it felt but that Jasper way. Jasper was a little bit serious. And then... That's. I guess was, there's always going to be a serious character. Yeah, and look, he he was just the straight man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As part of that crew, and, and yeah. Horace was the the bumbling fool. Yeah. He his role there was a bit more fun and silliness yeah. to it. But, um, mate, I, as I said, I, I sat down and I thought to myself, this could go either way. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's actually maybe my favorite of the Disney live action reimaginings. So far. Maybe since look, I actually really liked. I, I like Dumbo. I didn't mind. A it. lot I of people love didn't it. like it. I, I love it again. I like Dumbo because I love the look and the feel. Yeah, I thought it was really well made. I really liked the um, the Jungle Book. That was good. I thought the Jungle Book was yeah. good. Lion King didn't do anything for nah, me. I, I legitimately fell asleep in Lion King. I was um, about to drive in. Cinderella was actually Cinderella was okay. That was sort of the first of them. Can't remember. Um, Christopher Robin was okay. I liked Christopher. You like. I loved Tigger and Christopher Robin. What I loved, and I'm a massive Winnie the... I love Winnie the Pooh, as you can yep. see. i got the uh, collection books. Well, um, look out. Cool guy alert. Cool guy alert. <laughs> uh, no, no, I've always liked Winnie the Pooh. Um, it's upside down. What are you I, doing? I, re- I reorganised it because I was looking for something the other day. Um, what I did like about that, and again, what I liked about this, is if you're going to make a remake, if you're going to reimagine a property, don't do what The Lion King did. Just do the exact same don't, thing. But don't live. just yeah. do the same thing. Don't yeah. do Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Yeah. And just remake the film. Mm. Give me something a bit different. Look at it from a different perspective. From whatever you want to do, bring something new to the table. So you kind of go, oh, okay, that's cool. I haven't seen it that way. Or make it fresh. Yeah. Because we know it's a cash grab. You're using established IP. Yeah. We understand why you're doing that. Cause it's got an audience. Yeah. But put a spin on it. Yeah. That at least makes us go, huh. That's a bit different. Yeah, cool. So I'm giving it two thumbs up. Yes, very much so. I it's 7.4 on IMDb does not give it justice. You know what I like too? Like there was enough of the elements where like it was a, a buddy film, then it was like like a Devil Wears Prada type thing, mm. and then it was kind of like a heist movie. Yeah. Then it was sort of like a bit of a revenge flick. Then it was uh, like a bit of a high fashion. Mm. And then at times it was like a music video. Sort of, it, it, it ebbed and flowed between a lot of fun styles. Yeah. Um. So, like, it's not a masterpiece, but no. at the same time, uh, it's a really watchable. If no movie. one's seen it. It's like definitely give it a watch. Yeah. I think the I think it's free to watch. 
after uh, like late August. Yeah, okay. Because I remember looking at it going, oh, I'll just wait. And then I saw it. I was like, uh, no, no Sean. <laughs> help me, help me. <laughs> but I do agree that you mentioned the runtime off the top. Yeah. Um, but and, and this is a problem that's um, a lot of films have got nowadays. Yeah. They're just a bit long. Um, if you went a bit tighter in the edit, you could probably shave 10 or 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And, and that would be not... Um, it's a it's a balancing act, not necessarily detrimental, but if you kind of tighten things up a little bit, like I think th- those classic films in the eighties, like you think about these classic Rambo's and mm. heaps of them, um, your Back to the Future and all this stuff, yeah. like they didn't run mid, like two hours fifteen, two hours thirty, but nowadays a lot of films do. They just yeah. run two hours fifteen, two hours yeah. thirty. Yeah, because it was just like we got, I think that night, we're like, oh, what do we all watch? Like, everyone's home. We're like, oh, what do we watch tonight? And I was like, oh. You're like, I've got to sort it. I was like, Sean said we could watch Cruella. I was like, okay, well, I'll just go on to Disney Plus and we'll stream it. And then I saw it was Premier Access. I was like, <sighs> so I texted Sean. I go, hey, can I please have the copy? Because I knew that you wouldn't have paid for it. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and I had to wait for the Google Drive and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And then. For some reason, my cr- the Chromecast wasn't working, so then I had to put on USB, wait for that to transfer. So by the time we started watching, it was like nine-ish, and then we got like halfway through to make some popcorn, mm. and it was like 10.30 <laughs> or, you know, 10 o'clock, and me and Maddie looked at each other going, oh, God. Because like now... And it's a shame because... We are, uh, we're, we're an old couple now. We go to bed at like 9.30, 10. You know, well, S- single me used to go to bed at like eleven thirty minimum. But you know what the, sh- the shame is too. Like I was a bit like that. I watched it in two sittings because I'm glad I watched it in one. Carlton might have been playing, or I had to stop watching it because something was on. Right. So I kind of picked a, a spot yeah, yeah, yeah. to pause and come back. Which I was a bit. I was like, oh, I'm actually like I'm enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. but it is a, a fraction long. I've just looked up for my own purposes here, mm-hmm. like. I mentioned, you know, the first Rambo, which is an absolute classic. Yeah. First Blood, 93 minutes. Yeah. Back to the Future was an hour 56. That very first Batman film was just over two hours. Mm. And you're kind of like, that's... Nowadays, they films run 2.10. Yeah, yeah. 2, fi- two hours 15, 2 hours 20. So, um, look, really good uh, thumbs up from me. Mm, definitely. Two thumbs up. Uh, lastly, or not even lastly, we've got to get our last joint yes. chat. Yes. And then we'll get through some other ones quickly. Um, the Friends Reunion, Will. A big, big ticket item yeah. a couple of weeks yeah. back on HBO Max. Mm. Uh, and obviously Binge and, and Foxtel had it here. Uh-huh. Um, the, the gang just got back together and did a bit of a chat and, yeah. and whatnot. And again, I gave it thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I'm a big bit of a Friends fan. I do like, yeah, oh, do, do like the show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I thought it was about as well done as we could have expected it to yes. be. Yes. Yeah. 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 People Definitely. can people can quibble about the format. I don't think there's anything bad about the format. No. I think they worked their way through as much as they could. Yep. One, the only, literally, the only bad thing I have to say about it is, um, James Corden. <sighs> He's the most you know lovable and likable out of all those hosts at the moment. Mm. To the to the common, to someone who... It is tricky. Who do you get to host? Yeah. But the like the overdoing and the Americanization of that Smelly Cat segment. 
where they've got the choir in the back and they've got Lady Gaga coming in and the Lady Gaga was great. You know, she's a singer, get it all done and then um, Lisa Kudrow does a, you know, Phoebe-esque. Oh, yep. yeah, that was great, but mine was better. Yep. And But then the choir, it's just like, oh, my fucking God. Just shut up, stop, go sometimes, away. I don't need you. I don't want you. Sometimes bigger isn't better. Yeah, and it was just totally unnecessary. And, you know, my I haven't been to America, but my sister has, and she goes, yeah, it's just it's so typical of them. She lived there for a year, just like overdoing it unnecessarily, thinking, yeah, it's okay, people will I love suppose it. The, I, like, I understand. Maybe the Americans loved it. I don't know. I didn't I, like it. I understand getting the celebrities involved and stuff, yeah. but part of me as well was a bit like, don't need them. No, yeah. A part of me was a bit like, I was just thinking, the show is strong enough to stand on its own yeah. that we don't need, like I get that the idea is that they're fans, yeah. like the regular person and they yeah. all love it like the regular person, but just just put a thing out on Twitter saying, tell us your favourite friends moment yeah, and just have regular people do it. Yeah, like BTS, like what? Yeah, that, that was a good example. <laughs> but just if you want to have those those feedback or that thing, just do a hashtag mm. and say, let us know and you you might be on the special. David Beckham? What? Well, just see, David Beckham... Because he's fucking butt buddies with Corden. Yes. See, David Beckham was on it because the special was um, co-produced by this company called Fullwell17, right. who've done a few of those United docos, right. which he's had a bit of a hand in. I know a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but look, for me, I said I watched the special and I've actually yeah. fallen back down the Friends rabbit hole because yeah. Foxtel have got it now uh-huh. on, on demand for a little yeah. while. I wonder, and I'm interested to get your feedback, but for me, it's like the last truly iconic show, comedy show, network comedy mm. of that era. Yep. You could make an argument that like a Big Bang sort of tacked onto it. Yeah. The office feels like the generation after. Yes. Stuff like Parks and Rec is the yep. generation yep. Yep. you know after with the office. Yep. But friends for me, like I still remember being like little being in primary school. I can't remember what night it was on, but it was a it was one of those last shows that was still a big deal. Yeah. That it was on on whatever the night was, Tuesday night. Yeah. And it was on at eight thirty and just about everyone you knew yeah. was watching it. Yeah, whereas I'm a, I'm that little bit below you. Where I was never uh, exposed to TV friends, mm. but like TV friends. Yeah, but if some if someone had the box set, like holy shit! But I just remember and it had some fantastic, you know, cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Ross saying the wrong name. Yeah. Ross and Rachel getting married in Vegas, but it had yeah. all these classic like cliffhanger moments. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Rank among some of the very best in. Yeah, TV history. Like when you think about it, even at the end in in the special when it's like, like, did you get on the plane? Well, that's it. I it got off the plane. And everyone's like, yes. It was a, it was a great moment. Yeah, and it went all those classic you know bits and pieces and what a what a great show it was. The one yeah. thing I did find funny was having gone back and rewatched like the first. You can tear through it because it's oh. like twenty two minute episodes. Yeah. I think I've watched the first six seasons <laughs> in like yeah. two and a bit weeks. Yeah. Um, but this idea that a lot of all these new new age idiots who watch it challenge the show as not being progressive or it's yeah. oh, it's very problematic, Will. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm watching it, I'm thinking, Ross's wife left him for a lesbian <laughs> and yeah. they're just depicted as normal people. They're not depicted as cringeworthy stereotypes. They're he's just depicted as He's Jewish, he's trying to teach his kid that you Hanukkah. know Yeah. Um, but he's he he went out with an Asian lady. Chandler's mum, Chandler's, Chandler's dad Chandler's is a fucking Chandler's drag queen. Chandler's dad is trans. Yeah. 
uh, Rachel and the guest star Winona Ryder, they kissed yeah. on national TV. Yeah. Um, and there was another one. I had another one. Um, oh, I had another example. But, but like all these ideas that it wasn't like progressive or whatnot, you're thinking this is a, a, a network show. This is the most watched show on network yeah. television in the mid to late 90s yeah. that had all of those things that were just, they were just in the show. Yeah. And they were handled in a really probably um, delicate way. Yeah. Like I said, the, the um, Carol and, and Susan, I mean, they were not like stereotypes of a lesbian. No. They were just normal women. Yeah. Who loved each other and raised oh, Ross and yeah. um, Carol's son. Yeah. All those little things. And you just went, this idea that oh, I was, oh, was problematic, it's handling of whatever. You're going, no. have you watched it? Yeah. And with respect, and this is the way society works, whatever foibles or criticisms you have of a show that is now 27 years old, yeah. society's come an awfully long way mm. in that amount of time. Yeah. So for a show to be as on the cutting edge as they were with a lot of those like representation, yeah. um, inter- inter- interracial relationships, uh, like I said, Chandler's dad being a, a, tra- a trans man, yeah. you know, all these things were given pretty significant airtime yeah. and normalised. Yeah, some of them were played for jokes because yeah. without wanting to, to verge into uncomfortable, controversial territory, yeah. that's how people process a lot of stuff yeah. via humour. And as the show showed, Chandler might have been embarrassed by his dad yeah. But he still loved it. Yeah. And as cringe as some of the um, uh, fan interviews were, and, you know, oh, you know, I didn't have any friends, but these friends were my friends. Like, Ugh. it, those kinds of stories and those controversial stories that were part of the character's stories were relatable for so many people mm. in, in that time where, you know, their dad might be a bit fucking astray, but still, still love them. I think that's just a bit weird. I think too. There's a there's a lot of a lot of in, um, there's a lot of talk about oh how it was the white leads and you yeah, go well, yeah. today it probably wouldn't be that way no. and you go that's fine. Going, but I think Friends too came out in an era where all of that stuff, all of that really low hanging fruit for so many of these quote unquote progressives, yeah, actually didn't matter to a lot of people. No, they just saw the show as if it's an entertaining show. Yeah, if it's funny. Mm. If it's good. And they didn't then get all hung up on all this stuff that ultimately in a lot of ways doesn't matter when you're telling a story. Mm. And I know it's easy people, you know, oh, it's easy for a couple of white guys to talk about representation and whatnot. But you go, when you're telling a story and you're writing a character, that's probably not, you're not thinking about that. Mm. You're not thinking about, is he white? Is he Asian? Is he black? Is he such and such when you start then casting mm. and you go that's the character that's the the, the element of casting a character yeah. you actually see them performed yeah like there's a great story of um forgetting sarah marshall where russell brand's character yeah elder snow was not like a rocker he was yeah. something else he was something else all entirely and russell brand walked in and auditioned and the character was 180 flipped yeah they just went, no, that's the character. Yeah. This guy just walked into the room who they'd never met, yeah. who'd never read the script, and he'd performed a bit of it. And they went, no, that's that's who he is. And in much the same way, a lot of characters do that, walk in and go, 
I think that's that's what they said with Joey, wasn't it? They had all these, you know, nice pretty boys come in and act dumb or whatever, but then mm. he walked in and they're like, This is the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. No, he's he's the one. And yeah. you know, there's a bit of talk lately of um, you know, potentially a Michael B. Jordan being Superman. Mm. And you sort of go or, you know, a black actor playing a James Bond or whatever. And you kind of to be brutally honest, you're like, that would be jarring yeah. in the sense that it hasn't been seen before. Yeah. But if the actor is capable of inhabiting the key tenets and personality traits of the role, in the case of a Superman and a James Bond, Why the which, hell not? which have been established for yeah. decades, you go, the skin tone is actually unimportant. Yeah. Can he be what that character needs him to be yeah. as an actor? And in the same way as friends, I think people get really hung up on the wrong things mm. or they criticise it for things that aren't a concern or shouldn't yeah, be a yeah, concern yeah. or have only become a concern in the 17 years since it went off the air. Yeah. You're sort of like you're judging it on a set of criteria yeah. that wasn't Existent. front of mind, yeah. relevant when the show mm. was on the air. Mm. Um, the, the one thing I will say is that watching this reunion, which I really did enjoy, and there yeah. were some nice little emotional yeah. bits where you kind of Emotional from the point of view that they were clearly affected. Yeah. You went, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Like it matters to them. Yeah. I found myself thinking, if you and I, if we were doing a sitcom, mm. it goes for 10 years and it's really popular. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is an interesting example. Yeah. That's just wrapped yeah. filming. Why wouldn't you go, let's not close the door on every five years, we just do a special. So they do them in Britain. Just go every so often, we'll just come back. And if you were friends, for instance, film wrapped up in 2004, yeah. just go every five years or six years or whatever, when the time's right, we just do a one-off, here's where we are now. Yeah. And we get paid a million bucks to do it, or a million five, whatever it is. We all come back and we do one episode. Like I said, in Britain, they do that a fair bit. They do the Christmas special or yeah. whatever. And just go, that's it. Mm. Go, we're, not gonna, we're not going to do a whole season I just don't think there's anything to lose to be honest particularly with comedies Yeah, just go we're going to come back here's where we are this is what's been happening but then as soon as there's new people I think as soon as there's new people on board that weren't a part of it back when it was you know really churning out the well, money just and the comedy get those people involved yeah but as soon as you know maybe a couple of people die or a couple of people say no Oh, no, no, totally. But in the yeah. case of something like Friends, where you go, the principals are all still alive. Yeah. Like um, Christina Pickles and Elliot Gould, who played yeah. Ross and Monica's mum and dad, still yeah. alive. Yeah. So long as all that stuff, you want to keep it light and breezy and fun. But you just go, why wouldn't you just go, well, yeah, every so often we'll come back and revisit it and we'll pick up where we left off and it's just its own thing. goes for an hour. Mm. If I'm NBC or Warner Brothers, I'm going... Fucking A. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what we'll do? Mm, yeah. Like, we'll put it on after a major event. We'll put it on after the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. Not the Super Bowl. And we'll go into this. Mm. Go, people will watch it. 50 million people will watch it. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I, um, I loved the, a lot of the actors and actresses, um, you know, stayed, true to what coming to it blind having not really stalked what they're up to and what only really knowing what they've been in 
um, the people that have stayed active in, uh, in you know, movies and shows or whatever have relatively stayed kind of the same. Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Um, She's probably the most visible, isn't oh, she? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, Courtney Cox. David Schwimmer. He's like, he's, you know, he's done the giraffe on Madagascar and yes. done bits and pieces here and there. He's pretty normal in quotation marks. Um, Matt LeBlanc is the Matt, most normal of them. He's just an Italian dad. Did you see the Irish dad memes? Yeah. Brilliant. It's just unreal. I, I, I love, he's wearing like Adidas superstars just yeah. walking around. Going, <laughs> he's wearing like a bowling shirt. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But um, he, he, he was really good and a lot of people went, he was almost not the big winner as such, but a lot of people were like, he just is totally unaffected. Yeah. Well, um, you know they apparently make, from residuals and royalties, they apparently make $20 million a year. It's absurd. From still, yeah. from friends. Um, Lisa Kudrow is just Phoebe. That's yep. It's not like a, she may have put a little bit on here and there, but just the way she speaks and holds herself and, you know, there's that scene where, every, everyone said it on Twitter, but there's that scene where there was like a fly or a moth on her yes. or something. And everyone was like, holy shit. That's, she's just acting, she's just like acting herself and it's Phoebe. Yep. Um, but Courtney Cox and Matthew Perry, just these plastic-filled, drug-filled, I mean, I'm making all assumptions here, but... Perry was an interesting one because I, I actually, part of me... The, the he's had to have had some sort of stroke or something. Well, the, the thing that came out was that he'd had dental work. Yeah. Chumpers. And you're kind of like, watching the show, I'm sort of like, those do look like new teeth. <laughs> and it does feel entirely consistent with how he speaks about his time on the show during the special. Yeah. But the vanity of an actor to go, like Jennifer Aniston less so because she's been relatively constant. Yeah. Matthew Perry, uh, sorry, um, Matt LeBlanc clearly didn't care, <laughs> which is like great. He's yeah, not, yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's just 17 yeah. years older than when a lot yeah, of people yeah, yeah. last saw him. Um, and even he did like episodes, which was well done yeah. and the like, but he's just probably 10 years older. Yeah. Schwimmer in sort of similarly. He's just aged. He's just 10 years yeah. older. Um, but a guy like Matt, Matthew Perry, he's probably thinking like people probably haven't really seen me no. for 10 Since years. Since like 17 again. Well, the did he do that? Yeah. Yeah. But the program, people haven't seen me in so long. Yeah. So an actor's vanity, he goes and gets his teeth done and he probably, yeah. he did have the, like a guy that was like, on a, um, uh, what's that? Uh, Extreme makeover? No, 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 no. What's the, he had like the, had an, up, um, watched. No, he had a, had a, like a pill. What's the pill called? A, Mosh? An Ambien. Oh, no. Where it just kind of like really mellows you. Oh, right. Like it really kind of like, yeah. He, he just had that, maybe he was really anxious about yeah, the experience. Yeah, yeah. He was really nervous about it. So he kind of took something just to yeah. calm him. That he sort of had that definitely. feeling about him. No, definitely. And not in a, obviously had well-documented drug issues, mm. but it, it, it looked very much like a guy who, A, had had the real big vein dental work done, yeah. but was maybe just so wound up about what this is going to be and people haven't seen me for so long and I haven't seen these people in yeah. so long and, oh, God, I just need something just to calm down. Yeah. And he's taken something just to go, oh, and he's just gone a bit too far. And then he didn't really, you can tell, he hasn't really said much through the whole process and then when they're all sitting on the couch at the end, he goes, you know, Whenever we've been at a party and, you know, the rest of the night's gone because we'll see each other and just talk the whole night, rah, rah. You can tell that that's probably the only thing of substance he said throughout the whole record and mm. they've gone... Got to put it in. Should probably put it in. And it's tricky because someone someone like him, you, I c you could see a little bit of, I don't know, 
Because his, his battles, like even when they were making the show, were quite well documented and he fluctuated wildly, mm. like his oh, weight yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And he went to rehab and you, you could... You care about your co-worker, but then yeah. at the same time, there'd be an element without oh, wanting to be a prick. Big chunk of them probably wouldn't have spoken to him for a while. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he was the one that was all like, no, no, no. That was like for so long has said no to all this. Mm. But you wonder too, like when they all had so much writing on the show for so long. Yeah. That at the height of his issues, there'd be an element of him kind of going like, don't stuff this up for us. Yeah. Because you know, we're an ensemble and like the character of Monica's got so much tied into this other character. So if you fall off the rails going and, and have to be written out mm. or whatever, going the whole show is under threat, going, we're a group of six together. Yeah. So maybe there was some angst about that. But all the, like the girls all seem to be like thick as thieves. Mm, definitely. Um, but it was, it was a good watch. I did enjoy it. Um, it. It threw me back down the Friends rabbit hole, which I've, I've very much enjoyed going back and watching. And yeah. Um, in much the same way we spoke about the Chili's, you know, being a time machine, you sort of watch that show and you go, geez, yeah, it takes you back to all these moments as they happened. Yeah. And back to a time in television that doesn't exist anymore when you sit in front of the TV at 8.30 on a whatever night it was. Because yeah. that's when the show's on. That's the only time I can watch it because they're not going to replay it. No. So maybe you tape it if you're at work or something, whatever. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. Thumbs up? Mm, definitely. Uh, and then lastly, just some Around the Horns ones, because um, we both enjoyed things that the other didn't watch. Um, I watched a couple of Man United docos um, that aired during our sabbatical. Um, <laughs> George Best, True Genius, um, which is a, a production of BT Sport in the UK, yep. um, and kind of a bit of a portrait of, the, of George Best's playing career at Manchester United, just the playing football. And, and the show starts with a, uh, an interview he did on TalkSport not long before his death, where someone asked how would you like to be remembered? And he'd sort of said, for the football. I want people to think of me as the football player. Um, I didn't mind it. I thought it was quite okay. Um, it was the same group of guys that did the really excellent doco, Too Good to Go Down. Yeah. Um, probably didn't quite reach the same level as that. Yeah. Um, but but not a bad watch nonetheless. I watched The United Way, uh, which was put together. It's a sort of a Manchester United sort of all-in doco. Yeah. Um, and again, it was okay. Like, as a real fan of the club, my, my main takeaways from the United Way were that it sort of lacks the focus it needs. It, it's sort of not really quite sure what it wants to be about. Does it want to be a history doco? Mm -hmm. Does it want to focus on key figures? It kind of at times becomes an Eric Cantona doco. And you're like, yeah, there's a story in that. Just yeah. make that film. If, you're gonna, if you want Eric Cantona to talk about Manchester United, just, have him, just make a doco about him because he's interesting enough and his influence on the club is interesting enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, that, that was interesting. I didn't mind it, but at the same time, it kind of left me a bit... Uh, uh, and then lastly, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, Never Give In, um, which was... I think you can find it on Amazon, I believe. Right. But it was like a Sky Sports, maybe. It was a, a British, you know, production. Um, loved it. Probably the best of the three. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely remarkable man and a really beautiful portrait of who he is and you know why he's that way and then the legacy of his achievements. Kind of charts his, his life as a young guy growing up in Govan and his relationship with his father and then how he met his wife, Kathy, and his time as a player and his time at Rangers and his time managing at Aberdeen, yeah. Manchester United. Um, 
and he's sort of just telling these anecdotes about his life and and they they are, are what move the passage of time forward as he's telling these anecdotes. It was, that was really good. So um, Sir Alex Ferguson, Never Give In, was the best of those three. Um, really, really enjoyable, watchable film. If you like Manchester United, you'll love it. If you like football, you'll really enjoy it. Um, can recommend. Nice one. Um, I've got a couple to choose from, but I'm going to save two uh, for the next pod because oh. I just like to you know chat a bit more about them. Um, and I feeling, have a feeling you might watch one of them. And that means you don't have to watch anything else. Between <laughs> the next one. Um, no, I'll probably dabble in bits and pieces. But uh, ironically, after our last pod, um, you were talking about that super niche show that's on YouTube. Can't remember the Garth name. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Correct. Um, and we got into a tangent of that sort of comedy. I get home. Maddie's been at work all day. She gets home, starts talking about work. Oh, what'd you talk about? What'd you, what'd you do at work? Well, she goes, oh, um, my boss was saying that you, we need to watch a show. I said, oh, what's she thinking? She goes, oh, IT crowd. Yep. I said, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. I can do that. <laughs> you're, like, you're, not, you're not asking me to watch the OC. You're not asking me to watch Gossip Girl, whatever. Have you got to Matt Berry? Uh, the, hold on. He's uh, the second boss. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the last episode we watched was the... Um, Cannibal one, cannibal, yes, and like where Richard Ayoade is kind of like, oh, you wanted to eat me? No, 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 and he's just that classic, classic Ayoade. He's brilliant. Um, comedy, but yeah, we that night went home and we started watching it, and I was like, this is unreal. I couldn't think of a better show to watch that we both want to watch. We haven't watched any more since. Because there's other things going on in our lives and we're watching other things. How but big is, is it eight episodes a the season? The first season is eight. Yep. After that, it's like 12 or 15, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, but I hadn't... I think I last time I watched IT Crowd, I jumped in halfway through the first or just at the start of the second. And watching it from the very start, loved it. Unreal. It's such a good show. Um, I always forget the guys. O'Dowd, is it... What's his first name? Chris. Chris. For, uh, for whatever reason... Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, you, as soon as you know it's Chris, you yeah. go, fucking cool. Yeah. But I always want to say, like, Phil. <laughs> and you're, you're like, that's completely... Phil you're like, that is completely... Um, but I had absolutely no memory of the uh, of the gay theatre show episode where it, the, the whole thing, like, I'm disabled. It's and you're like, you're thinking, this this can't... This has no right to work. No. And then supposedly there's another episode that's been taken off um, uh, streaming services maybe. that is like it's got something to do with it's either yeah. like Muslims or like something that's real touchy these days. No, I think you're right. Um, I, I do remember reading or seeing that news that it had been taken off because of sensitivity, you know, yeah. lack of sensitivity. Um, or maybe someone has died since it being out oh, or whatever. Yeah, but, no, I think you're right. Um, yeah, just unreal show, classic English comedy. Classic modern English comedy, because mm. um, you obviously go back to the classic, classic English comedies of the anything. Faulty Towers, yeah. the Young Ones, yeah. the Black um, Adders. Young Ones? <sighs> no, nah, I didn't get it. Yeah, Mum and Dad, it'll come on, and Mum and Dad are just in fits of laughter. Like Ab like, Fab is that same sort of thing. It's just a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's a bit um, over the top. Yeah, but um, yeah, IT Crowd, if you haven't watched it, seriously do yourself a favour. We bang on about this sort of comedy all the time. Um, yeah. It's yeah. unreal. So good. They are, I think, you know, we, we mentioned off the top at some point about those those episodes and 
they do have the right attitude, both cost effective. Like yeah. don't you don't need to do five thousand episodes. No. And and in this new age of network TV in the in the US even at the moment, a lot of these comedy shows won't get massive orders. Yeah. They'll get twelve episodes. Yeah. They'll get eighteen episodes. You go because it's 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 quality yeah. over quantity. Yeah. You go, okay, we'll do twelve, we'll do eight. Yeah. And I don't know. I just don't think you're 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 just not stretching everyone to breaking point. No, and you know, first couple of episodes they're safe. Yeah, like anything. But it takes a while. Once for they them. once they find their their lane, they just like every episode. Generally, most episodes are very, very, very funny. And they find to where the um, the edges of decency, if you will, yeah. are for each character. Yeah. How far can a character take one thing? Yeah. And then what does that character, what's their relationship like with mm. whatever this kind of emotion is? Yeah. And that just takes time to figure out. I mean, I'm sure when Brooklyn Nine-Nine returns, whenever it is later in the year, we'll probably do a retrospective at some point. Yeah. As fans of the show. But if you go back and watch the really early parts of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like it is, it's not that it's bad, but it's just not what you would remember. No. As a show, you said so, yeah, so you go. Yeah, you. you I remember like season two, three, and I'm like, Ugh, it's really unfair unreal. to kind of watch season seven or eight or whatever the last one was, and then you watch season one. Yeah, and you've got this, you've got this idea in your head that that's what the show's always been like, and you go, no, it took, it probably took ten, twelve episodes. Yeah, for it to really find its groove. Yeah, um, and any any shows like that, you watch a classic, you watch Friends, and you watch whatever, and the first couple episodes of Friends, I was actually like, it's a bit more, um, how do I say, it's, it's a bit more... Common. S- s- no, it's a bit more skit-based that I remembered. There's yeah. not really a... Th- uh, uh, there's not really a classic A story, B story. Like, they're really hitting sitcom stereotypes. Yeah, they're really doing lots of sitcoms. Like, Chandler is just too much. Well, they're doing lots of sitcom setups. Yeah. Where you're in this room, and it finishes with a punchline, and then yeah. you go to another room, and it's not really linked to what just happened. No. Or it's not really linked to an A story, a B story structure. Mm. Um, but no, the IT crowd is is a really good show, really funny, classic British yeah. uh, stuff. Very much, um, you could argue that the evolution of what that crew or a large part of that crew was doing on Dark Place obviously flows into more of a finished product the next time. Yeah. And they find more of a groove, more of a rhythm, more yeah. of a voice. Um, very good. What was your pick of the week? Um... What do we have? We got Cruella. We have uh, Loki. Loki. We have Friends, Friends Reunion. Reunion. I'm going to go Cruella. I am also going to go Cruella. Yeah. It was a very tough call between that. Two manly men. We love a fashionista. Mate, we are very stylized. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed pretty much everything we spoke about yeah. this week. I really, really like Cruella. I really enjoyed um, the Friends Reunion yeah. and obviously falling back down that Friends rabbit hole. I really liked what Loki has set up. Um, and as I said, the, the Alex Ferguson doco was a really good watch as well. So um, it was a rare period where I actually didn't watch anything. Did we speak about Wrath of Man on the last show? Uh, I think I did. What's that about? That's the Guy Ritchie one about the... Uh, it's like an armoured car robbery. No. I uh, um, can't remember. I made notes about Just it. Just so long ago, but, but I don't see, that's remember the thing. So I think I, I, I must have watched that pretty early on between episodes. I think that was in that message you sent me saying, what do you want to watch? And it was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably... That was a film that I watched and I didn't... I didn't not like it. Yeah. 
but I was sort of like, no, nah, this week I want to talk about things that are worth people watching mm. if they haven't already. I mean, the case of like, um, probably Cruella is probably the main one that people might not have caught just yet because yeah. the other two obviously had, as you said, Loki had the sensational viewing numbers mm. and sort of Friends was kind of like the talk of... The town. Very much so. Maddie's watched it four times. The reunion? Yes. Oh, wow. It's um, a bit ridiculous, I think. Very, very much <laughs> the talk of the town uh, in the in the days and, and week after it aired. So yeah. oh, it's been lovely to do this again, Will. Um, We'll Could do it again. Probably do it more often, shouldn't we? We probably well look lockdown. Study really just fucks me over. It I like it lo- kills me. Lockdown killed us. Yeah. And then the power outage. The we're wild gonna, weather. We were going to do it last week, but yeah. we had no power. Yeah. Um, Lucky Carlton have a buy. Carlton have a buy. I don't know what you would have done. Well, that's exactly right. Um, but no, no, very good to catch up and do this again. We'll do it again yeah. soonish. Anywhere between one and twenty-eight days. I don't want to make promises. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I said, we're a package coming from the US. <laughs> don't, don't. Sometimes you get express. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> sometimes it'll be there in three to seven days, and you'll be like, "Holy shit!" Uh, but no, thank you so much for listening in. We'll catch you again next time, William. Goodbye. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. Bye.